Algar Productions. Zestful Tooth Powder presents Sarcastic Voyage Theatre, vintage-style radio with a modern comedic sensibility, featuring the unparalleled talents of the world-renowned Sarcastic Voyage unpaid voice acting players. And now, the radio adventures of Dotty. Sugar Crunch Cereal presents the radio adventures of Dotty. Our story so far, Dottie's quest to rescue her captive friends saw her paired with rocket-bound MUCUS agent Herc Branson. But Herc's rocket was brought down by treacherous sky pirates from the flying fortress of Stratotropolis. Seeking to assist the injured Branson and finally getting back to her original mission, Dottie was brought to the throne room of King Avum, leader of Stratotropolis. And now today's adventure, The One Thing Revealed. Terribly sorry about that. These video telephone devices are all the rage here in Stratotropolis. But honestly, I really don't need to see my horrible wife in all of the curl and glory brandishing a rolling pin while she ceaselessly caterwauling at me, now do I? You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? Unfortunately, I do. Anyway, I don't want everyone getting carried away with these things. The last thing we Stratopolitans need is a reputation for never looking up from our video telephones. Your Majesty? Yes, speaking? I have a very important question for you, sir. I have a feeling you're going to be elusive about this, and I don't wish to appear rude, but I must insist on an answer. I know Stratopolitans doesn't seem quite right, but it rolls off the tongue so much more easily than Stratotropolitans. See, every time I've tried to get this answer, people keep changing the subject. We tried Stratotropolites, but that wasn't much better. Yes, exactly like that. And then some people push for Stratotrodians, which just... Well, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? What is the one thing that your air pirates are after? Well, there was no need for that. I know, and I'm sorry. But will you just tell me, please? Uh, of course. The thing we're after... The one thing. All right, all right. Get that murderous glint out of your eyes. You're remarkably intimidating for a child. The one thing we're after is fuel. Fuel? Fuel! You know, petroleum, gasoline. Especially that green gasoline that you terrestrials are so fond of. Kerosene, propane. We'd even take wood or coal at this point. Why do you- You think it's easy keeping a city-sized fortress like this airborne? I guess I hadn't really given it much thought. And neither did our engineers. Oh, sure, everyone wants to live in a mighty metropolis high above the petty nations of mortal men. But nobody stopped to think about how much fuel it would take to keep a thing like that in the air. You know all those wonderful buildings you saw on the way in here? Sure. Gleaming spires, shiny skyscrapers. They were every bit as beautiful as any city I've ever been to. Even more beautiful, maybe. Every one of them is dedicated to the storage, processing, and consumption of fuel. Even that spirally Art Deco thing. You know the one with all the fancy archways and the oh-so-stylish lettering. You know the one I'm talking about. The one with the clock? No, the one with the clock is our town hall, which we now use for waste disposal. For the fuel. The other one was originally intended to be a magnificent center for the arts. Now, use it for processing, you guessed it, Fuel. But what about your palace here? This isn't a palace. This is an engine room. Didn't you notice how loud it was? I guess I've just gotten used to it now. All those constant fumes. 
It smells horrible in here. If you're in here breathing fumes all day, that might explain why you're so easily distracted. It might also explain why I'm so easily distracted. Or why that other guy thinks he's a bird. <sighs> no, that's just Dale. Dale's always been like that. So this entire city exists to keep this entire city existing? Got it in one. But Dale told me you have 800 people living here. Where do they all live? In aeroplanes. They rarely get to touch down in Stratotropolis unless they have fuel to deliver. Or occasionally for bathroom breaks. Okay, if we're being honest, it's mostly for bathroom breaks. But if each of your citizens is in a two-seater plane... That means you have 400 aircraft buzzing around trying to hijack other aircraft that happen to be passing by? Sometimes we cram three or four to a plane, which isn't especially safe, but we only have about 250 planes. Fewer, since they keep mysteriously crashing like they're too heavy. Also, doesn't it use up even more fuel, keeping them in the air at all times? Oh, I never thought of that. This is terrible. I'll say it is. It also explains why you're so excited to get a hold of my friend Herc's rocket. Yes, of course. The rocket. You don't suppose we could siphon out all the fuel from that thing, do you? I mean, I'd prefer it if you didn't. Oh, come on. But what happens to Herc after you do that? Well, if he's willing, he can join our crew of stout air pirates and find us some more fuel. And if he's not willing? Oh, <laughs> Oh, no, we're not going to murder him or anything. But we would ask him to leave the city. Our infrastructure can't support two more oxygen breathers. We're almost down to one anyway. Unless you can send someone to save his life. Oh, sure. Let me just consult my team of brilliant surgeons and see who can spare an afternoon off between endlessly scavenging the skyways for even a drop of fuel. But he could die without help. Actually, Dottie, your concern is appreciated, but I'm fine. Herc! Horses! And my robot. But Herc, you told me you were paralyzed under that bulkhead. Uh, well... Tabulating. <laughs> oh, according to my robot, you were just fine under there, and you were just being a big baby. You got all that from tabulating? Hold the line, please. I'm glad you're both okay. King Avum, may I introduce? Oh, I know who that is. You may call him Herc... But that's my nemesis, the loathsome Stag Chapman. What? How dare you? That cad and I are nothing alike. I'm a former Highlight player who patrols the troposphere in my mighty rocket ship. Chapman's a former lacrosse player who flies around in a ridiculous hollowed-out missile patrolling the lower exosphere. Stag Chapman has been my arch-nemesis for years, and I know he's detestable be helmeted form when I see it. Your Majesty, put down that ray gun. It's not safe. Of, of course, course it isn't, isn't safe. safe. It's a ray gun. I mean, because of the fumes. If you fire that in here... Prepare to meet your maker. Chapman. For the last time, I'm not... Horses, he's gonna fire! Tune in again for our next exciting installment, The Fiery Descent of an Empire, only on Sarcastic Voyage Theatre. Honey? Oh, Jesus. <coughs> uh, darling, 
What are you doing in my bathroom? You know, as a married couple in the mid-1930s, every intimate part of our cohabitation happens in separate rooms. Up to and including brushing our teeth. I know, dear. And this problem is actually so serious that I'm willing to violate that extremely necessary part of the social contract. You see, it's actually about the way we brush our teeth. Why, I'm brushing with zestful tooth powder, of course. The very same tooth powder that's kept my teeth clean for over 30 years. No, it's not that. There's never a problem when you use zestful tooth powder. Well, then what is it? Spit it out, woman, so I can resume spitting it out. The problem is that toothbrush. You see, I wasn't paying very close attention last time I went to market. Why am I not surprised? Women, am I right? 100% right, dear. As you know, dentists recommend replacing your toothbrush every three days. So I was making my usual bi-weekly trip to the store to pick up the 14 new toothbrushes that you, Junior, and I would need to get us through. Only instead of our usual brand, I picked up these newfangled DuPont brushes. And? And the bristles on DuPont toothbrushes are made from nylon. The same material they make your stockings out of? I'm afraid so, dear. I feel sick. Friends, Zestful Tooth Powder would like to remind you not to be fooled as Mrs. Housewife was. Use only the finest traditional toothbrushes with real hog's hair bristles. Nothing gets your teeth clean like the hair follicles of a genuine barnyard hog. That's just science. And be sure to use Zestful brand tooth powder with your hog's hair toothbrush to get the kind of enamel-destroying clean that only a coarsely ground powder can give you. <laughs> ah, that's so much better. I can really taste the difference that hog's hair makes. My mouth is so refreshed. Why, I could kiss you right now, dear. If you were even in the same room as I was. Or if that were at all appropriate. Oh well, better brush again. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States, Mr. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. The unscrupulous claim of the Crooked Wall Street Journal that I spend any amount of time at all in a wheeled chair is frankly absurd. It's nothing more than a snipe hunt, and the American people should not stand for it. I must, of course, stand for it, because I am your president, and because I am very good at standing. Octothorpe, ask anyone. Thousands of people did not die of starvation in the so-called Dust Bowl. Our prairie lands are sufficiently hydrated, and our farmers prosperous. Anyone dying in the Midwest right now is dying of natural causes like old age or tuberculosis. Anyone who tells you differently is a Republican. Octothorpe politics as usual. The rigged snipe hunt, orchestrated by the failing Wall Street Journal, has reached new heights of absurdity with today's infamous op-ed claiming that I, the leader of the free world, wear a diaper which is changed several times daily by the Secret Service. For what I hope is the final time, my legs work fine and I am perfectly capable of changing my own diaper. It's time to end this ridiculous snipe hunt once and for all. Octothorpe, my genitals do not look like Betty Boop. The relocation of certain inscrutable persons out of so-called exclusion zones and into government-run facilities is a decision that this administration stands by. Surely history will be on my side when I say that sometimes you have to put people in cages to serve the greater good. 
Octothorpe Camp is fun. My plan to expand the Supreme Court to 15 justices chosen by me has been met with an inexplicably high level of resistance from members of both political parties. I ask you, if the president cannot pack the highest court in the land with judges that align perfectly with his own politics, then what is even the point of being president at all? Octothorpe Justice for my justices. The only content worth reading in the failing Wall Street Journal is Ernie Bushmiller's consistently delightful comic strip, Nancy. Octothorpe's sluggo is Jake. Snipe Hunt! Beware of Greeks bearing crime. Green Gasoline is proud to present the incredible adventures of prominent Crutch Boy Jr. We now join wealthy young gadabout Crunchus Crutchman, secretly our hero, prominent Crutch Boy Jr., in his luxury penthouse. Tonight's exciting tale, here's that murder you ordered, a signature is required. I wonder who... Oh, oh, uh, <clears throat> I wonder who's at the door. I'll just open the door and... Why, Police Chief Jones, what brings you here to my luxury penthouse? Well, Mr. Crotchman, I just wanted you... you to be aware that there's a dangerous foreign spy in the building. A foreign spy, you say? Well, I dare say prominent Crotch Boy Jr. shan't be far behind. Incredulous. <laughs> the very notion that you, a wealthy young gadabout, would know anything about the mysterious hero we call prominent Crotch Boy Jr. Comma is absurd. Goodbye, Mr. Crotch Man. It would appear that this task is particularly suited for... Oh, uh, yes, goodbye, Chief. <clears throat> yes, uh, it would appear that this task is particularly suited for prominent Crotch Boy Jr. If there's one thing prominent Crotch Boy Jr. is known for, it's his integrity. And as a motorist, you need a gasoline with integrity. Green gasoline is the only petroleum-based fuel with extra lead and a distinctive green color that lets you know you're filling your car with quality lead. Isn't that right, PCBJ? <coughs> ah, mm, uh, yes, yes, that's, that's right. Uh, something about quality. And now, our feature attraction. Down on his luck, private investigator Nick Bounty has solved cases involving counterfeit crabs and ceramic goats. But now he faces an altogether different challenge, one which may threaten his very identity. Sometimes a man's darkest hour creeps up on him unexpectedly, like the grease that leaks out the back of a hot roast beef sandwich and down your wrist when you take your first bite. <sighs> I should get a roast beef sandwich later. Other times it smacks dead into him, like a brick. Wait, no, like a bullet. Wait, no, wait, like a brick full of bullets. And being a private eye, I've seen my share of bullet bricks. From counterfeit crabs to gender poisoning salt, I've cracked cases that would make even Samson's hair stand on end. Samson had no hair, right? I haven't read the story in a while, but I'm pretty sure it was something, something to do with his hair. Too much hair, maybe. So, 
It, like, it'd be hard to get it to stand on end. Look, once I commit to a metaphor, it's hard for me to get out of it. All right, anyway, recently I'd taken a personal vow to only accept normal cases. Murders, kidnappings, thrilling chases through the gruesome and largely invisible underbelly of the city often resulting in savage beatings about the head and neck. You know, the ho-hum day-to-day stuff of your average private dick. The day I made that vow, you guessed it. That's when things completely dried up for old Nick Bounty. That's me, if you haven't guessed. It was hot that summer. Hotter than a brick full of bullets wrapped in a roast beef sandwich that... Ah! Gee, lady, how long have you been standing there? Not long. You looked like you were deep in thought. Sorry. You wouldn't have any horseradish on you, would you? Horseradish? Forget it. What can I do for you, Miss... Terry. Oh, it's just terrible. Lizzie's run off, and I don't know where else I can turn. Lizzie's your daughter? No. Of course not. You're much too young and attractive to have a daughter. Uh, little sister. Cousin? Lizzie's my toy poodle. I wish people wouldn't refer to them as toys. They're real living dogs, like you or me. I've put up signs. I've gone to the city. Nothing's helped. I really am in my wits in, Mr. Bounty, and I've heard that you... Maybe you should think about getting a terrier. You know, Terry. Terrier. Please, you have to find her. I heard you rescued a goat from a kitty, and before that you chased down some bad crabs for a griffin. I think you may need to recheck your facts a little. That's sort of what happened, I guess, but... Listen, I'm really sorry. I hope you find your dog, but I just can't help you. At all. I'm only doing normal cases. (laughs) All right. I'll leave. I'm sorry to have bothered you. Ugh. I hated to turn away a dame like that. No, really, I did. Not just because she had pretty hair and smelled like fresh strawberry jam on buttered toast. But a man has to draw the line somewhere. Not ah, to hell with it. Hey, lady, Terry, when was the last time you saw your dog? Hey, hey, wait up. She had a pretty good head start, but I had a bead on her. I could teach a class in getting beads on people. One of the best bead getters in the biz. I shimmied past some tourists headed down the block. Man does indeed have to draw the line somewhere, but there was also the matter of me having gotten paid, which was a matter that hadn't come up in quite some time. I was getting awfully hungry, and I was out of money. I had a bunch of IOUs, but those were really just pieces of paper that uh, I'd scrawled IOU on, which as far as I could tell was how those worked, at least in the cartoons. For some reason, though, nobody was willing to accept them. Even tramps throw them right back at you. One even landed in the brim of my hat once. I mean, what are the odds? At least as high as dropping your buttered bread and having it land sandwich side up. Hmm. Food was becoming more of a priority. As it happens, Terry led me near a regular haunt of mine, just across the way from my office. A seedy little neighborhood bar. The kind of place that you'd expect to find a legitimate private dick. Last time I checked, it was called Tony's. But every time I go down there, the last guy's name is crossed out and the new guy's name's written above it. They do all this in neon, which looks great, if not a bit blinding. So much so that I couldn't be completely sure if she'd headed into the joint or not. I didn't see any sign of her when my retina stopped screaming at me, so I'd assumed I'd lost the trail. Sorry, poodle. Looks like I lost that bead after all. I did my best to ignore the night's entertainment, some kind of weird hypnotist, as if there were any other type, and sidled up to the bar. I find that sidling is the best way to approach a bar. Tony! It's Chuck. Oh. Uh, okay, I guess they haven't changed the sign yet. No, they have. They just made a typo. That's a hell of a typo. Yep. Oddly specific, too. Were you gonna order something? Well, I was. 
Do you accept IOUs? Yeah, no. Aw, oh, man, you really had my hopes up for a second, and then you dashed them. All in two syllables. We gotta order something. It's happy hour, right? Do you have a bowl of peanuts or something? Uh, we got these. Is this ribbon candy? Yep. Help yourself. Ah, but it's all stuck together. I couldn't take one giant candy in good conscience, and if I tried to bite off a piece, I'd get the whole thing stuck to my face. Thanks anyway, Tony. It's Chuck. Yeah, sorry. My mouth made a typo. Ah, I talked a big talk, but the fact was, I was awfully hungry. I found myself drawn to the tacky mound of candy sagging over the sides of the peanut bowl. It drew in closer. And closer still. But, thankfully... Before the sticky, misshapen lump hit my lips, what could have been one of the biggest mistakes of my life was interrupted by the biggest mistake of my life. It was a mysterious, shadowy figure moving toward the back door. And I darted for it. Can you blame me? It was the sort of mysterious, shadowy figure that detectives live for. The sort that could lead a man to danger and intrigue and romance. Or at the very least, away from the candy. I need somebody from the audience. A volunteer. But I caught a glimpse of the figure entering the alley, but I lost him as he darted behind it. <coughs> Terry! Oh god. Put down the ribbon candy and back away from the body of the dead woman who's been shot and is now bleeding all over the pavement in this dark, seedy alley. Well, this can't look good. My hands are up. I'm no threat. The blood sugar this low, I couldn't run even if I wanted to, which I don't. I hope I made that clear. Ugh. Danger, intrigue, and romance. Well, danger at least. Amazingly, the goon squad that was our local police force didn't kick me around too much on my way downtown. Even more amazingly, my court-appointed defender showed up in even less than an hour. It was almost too bad, because I was just starting to get comfy in that holding cell. This lawyer was pretty good, too. I wonder if I could get the court to appoint me a barber. Every time I find a good barber, he leaves town. You're lucky I got you bail, Mr. Bounty. As it stands, I had to put up your detective firm as collateral. This, I should point out, is a bit above and beyond the usual scope of a public defender. Unless you can clear your name, and fast, the cops will take the business and your license and haul you back to jail on top of that. Yes, my license, which I have. It might actually not be a bad idea for me to just hold on to your license for now. Fine, I'll give you my license if you give me yours. No, that's what I thought. I see. Well, now, the easiest thing in this situation would be an all-out admission of guilt. We might be able to strike up some kind of deal with the court if... Deals are for the guilty, just like guilt is for the dealy. What? I didn't kill anyone. I mean, maybe I did at some point. I don't think I did. I definitely didn't kill that woman, though, probably. Uh, of course you didn't. Fine. Check my pockets. Go on. Go on. I'm not sure I really see the... Um... Is there a gun in there? Because I'm definitely not happy to see you. All I see in here are a bunch of papers that say IOU stuck together with uh, ribbon candy. All right, I took the candy. But there's no gun in there, right? Of course there isn't. You just got arrested. Fine. Did they confiscate a gun? As a matter of fact, they did. Really? Uh, can I have it back? Nick... There's no way the judge will acquit you if even I don't believe your story. There is almost no reason to think I killed that woman. All right, here's what we're going to do. I have this pocket polygraph that I got from the back of a Wonder Woman comic. 
Not admissible in court, but helpful for situations like this. Put your finger here. What? Ew, no. No, not there. Here. Oh. Now, breathe easy and tell me, did you kill that woman? No. Huh. You're telling the truth. Phew. It's not me you need to convince, Mr. Bounty. It's the court. And frankly, I don't like your chances. Wait, aren't my chances sort of dependent on your defense? Meh. Meh? Meh? Is our strategy? Listen, little lawyer Danny, if you think I'm just going to sit on my platform waiting for the next train to the chair, you've got another think coming. You better be ready for one more think. And while you're waiting for it, I'll be on the streets detecting like I've never detected. And I'm taking your comic with me. I have to go back to the office. We can talk later if you want. If you think it'll make any difference. This guy was no help at all. It was on me to try clearing my name. Usually when I go looking for clues, there's a promise of a paycheck at the end of it all. <laughs> Alright, that's not true. But still, this was different. Somehow, this time, it was, uh... <clears throat> this time, it was, uh... It related to me. Uh, this time, it was... Uh, I was involved. Uh, this time, it was... Uh, hmm... You know, the only thing I have that even sort of resembles a lead involves that car that was here when I went into the bar. I distinctly heard it take off in the sequence of sound effects leading up to Terry's murder. I'd know that sound effect anywhere. It was an original Ford Model R. Shouldn't be too hard to find these days, right? They only made like a hundred of them. They had this incredibly distinct sound when you started the... <gasps> personal! That's what it is. This time, it's personal. I returned, not exactly to the scene of the crime, because that's what you're not supposed to do, so, uh, yeah, I hadn't committed any crime. I was going back to the scene before the crime happened. That, that I didn't commit. Uh, to talk to the bartender, who was, I noted, still Tony. Ah, uh, Chuck, whatever. Hey, do you remember me? I was in here yesterday. I don't remember nothing. Ah, the old double negative. I do have a soft spot for the classics. I was wondering if you remember the crazy, expensive, discontinued car parked outside yesterday. Don't sound like nothing I ain't seen. What? Listen, I'm being framed for murder. Maybe you could stop rearranging those peanut shells, which of course means you actually did have peanuts, and help me for a minute? I don't remember nothing I ain't seen that ain't not outside this bar. Your English teacher must be so proud. Alright, I think we're done here. Now, oh god, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but... I guess I need to talk to that creepy-looking hypnotist who was performing in the bar. I hate these guys so much. Hey, Top Hat, listen. Do you remember me from earlier? Did I make you cluck like a chicken? No. Well then, what do you think? There was a strange car parked outside earlier. I don't suppose you could tell me anything about it. Oh, sorry, no. I am a very focused individual. Uh, what exactly is it that you're focused on? Making people cluck like chickens. What is the fascination? Bounty. Yeah, that's probably me. Phone call. Don't you mean I don't not unhave a phone? Shut up and talk. Right. Nick Bounty speaking, probably. Finally, a lead. Well, sort of. There was a mysterious voice on the other end that I couldn't quite identify. It was like... My friend Gary the Beekeeper was trying to talk to me through some kind of mesh screen with a bunch of loud noise behind him. And he said, Go to the Beekeeper's house. Uh, on second thought, it was probably my friend Gary the Beekeeper. What? What? I can't... No, I... I can't hear you! What? The, no, the bees! No! Could you, do you have a pen? I can... What? I hightailed it to Gary's house. I think he was trying to give me some information. Maybe a clue or something? 
All I got out of the deal was a jar of delicious local honey, which I heard can fend off allergies, so uh, that's good. Uh, oh. <clears throat> On my way back to the office, I realized that my hunger was returning. From where? I don't know. Certainly not from lunch. I was so desperate to have something in my stomach, I actually considered the honey that Gary had given me. No tea, no biscuit, just straight honey. That's how hungry I was. But then I realized what he was trying to tell me. On the jar was a label, and on the label was a girl. On the girl was a nose, and lips, and hair, uh, and a neck, also some other features. They were the same features I'd recently seen on Terry, the girl I was supposed to have murdered, except her hair and makeup was different. Also, she had a hat. I don't think Terry had a hat when I saw her. I guess you can take off a hat. Anyway, a few phone calls got me to the modeling agency with a lucrative honey label contract. I think it was the right one, except that they apparently thought Terry's name was Lana. I went to check it out. If nothing else, maybe they had some mints in their lobby. Because I'd really reached that point by now. Honey and mints hungry. May I help? Is that a fish around your neck? It's a fish tie, yes. And you wore that on purpose. What are you talking about? This is the height of fashion. How can you work in a modeling agency and not know that? Sir, our models are more of the torpedo braziers and garters type. Not a lot of ties, fish or otherwise, behind these doors. Fish nets, maybe. Now, did you want something? I did. I'm starting to forget, though. I haven't eaten since... Hey, do you have any mints back there? Sir, please. All right, all right. I'm here to see Terry. We don't have nobody named Terry here. Don't have nobody. I know a bartender that would just adore you. Wait a minute. Torpedoes and nets. Is this the Navy? We do discreet boudoir photos, sir. I don't know what that is. Cheesecake. <gasps> yes, please. Not that kind of... Oh. Are you here for a specific reason, or are you just trying to bother me? Nah, you're just collateral damage. I'm looking for the girl on this jar of honey here. Oh, you want Lana. Listen, lots of men come through here wanting to meet the honey girl, but Lana... Terry? I'm off for the day, please. Oh, hello, sir. Do I know you? Bounty. Nick Bounty. I'm the guy who murdered you. Well, I mean when you were a blonde wearing glasses, and dead. But yeah, no, you were the one. Look, if this is some kind of threat. It's no kind of threat. I'm not saying I will kill you. I'm saying according to the cops, I did kill you yesterday in a back alley. Well, that's clearly nonsense. Yes, clearly. I'm sorry, Mr. Bounty, is it? I've never seen you before in my life, and I certainly wasn't in any back alley yesterday. I was right here, doing my filthy, pornographic job, of which I'm rather proud. But... but... No, if you don't mind. I need to go home now. Just... look, I can tell you're the girl. Stop being crazy a minute and talk to me. It's life or death here. Just, just let me detect for five more minutes. All right. Great. We submit to a pocket polygraph. It was invented by William Moulton Marston. Oh, everyone knows who invented the polygraph. Fine, if it'll get you to leave me alone. Probably. Now, did you come to the office of Nick Bounty yesterday? No. Did you visit Chuck's or possibly Tony's bar yesterday? No, I most certainly did not. Uh, uh, and were you uh, murdered? Ah, uh, forget it. You're telling the truth. Uh, I'm really sorry, lady. I guess I confused you for someone else. So long, Slappy. See you in a nappy, Liz.
Ugh, Bugs Bunny makes those look so easy. It's all right. But if you'll excuse me, I have to wash this makeup off so my family doesn't realize what I get up to. Wow, finally a break. The penny had dropped, and for once, it was an actual coin and not one of those stupid IOUs. All right, I'll stop talking about those now. It's just that they're hard to pass off is all of that. It's not like I'm untrustworthy or anything. I mean, uh, so something was up. Maybe it was just an allergic reaction. Guess if people can be allergic to chicken, can turn into chickens as a reaction to... No, that's stupid. This was serious, stupid, serious, and creepy. And when I think creepy, I think. All right, hypnotist, the jig is up. I know you've been in the mind of the girl, and I want to know why. I don't have any idea what you're... Sleep! Sleep? Sorry, I got a full eight hours. In jail. Actually, I'd only been there for about an hour, like I said, but he didn't need to know that. Jail? But but he told me no one would be hurt. He who? I never got the guy's name. He told me his sister got drunk and did something stupid, so so I helped her forget. And that didn't strike you as the least bit shady, huh? No. I mean, it was strange that he didn't want her to think she was a chicken. Enough with the chicken business! But but no, I I mean, it, it was her brother. And he paid me a small fortune. I figured anybody with that much money has to be honest. Right? If he paid you a small fortune, why on earth are you still doing this? It's my life's passion. Turning people into chickens? Sure. What's your life's passion? I don't give a damn about life's passion. I'm a detective. Anyway, I put in the usual trigger to undo the hypnosis just in case. Trigger? What trigger? I can't tell you that. Have you no respect for hypnotist-client confidentiality? Look, the cops are already on me like ham stink on an Irish cop. Oh, uh, wait, that was... I'm sorry, that was out of line. Metaphors shouldn't contain their own subject. Well, the point is, if you don't help me, I'm going to jail. And if I'm going to jail for murder anyway, I might as well kill you while I'm at it. All right, all right. The trigger is Baltimore stinks. Do what now? Baltimore stinks. Does it? Are you kidding me? Have you ever been there? The whole city is disgusting. I mean, every city has a a bad part of town, but Baltimore is the bad part of town. Wow, you have issues. And don't even get me started on their stupid accent. I guess that explains why my Annapolis reference almost did the trick. Oh, I'll just go on down to the water. All right, all right, I'm done with you. Why don't we get a bushel of crabs? Enough! Six o'clock. I made another meeting with Danny in hopes that I could convince him that I was making headway in the case. Do you realize how ridiculous this all sounds? I mean, a hypnotist? I admit nobody trusts those guys, but there's no way that it'd stand up in court. And you're seriously telling me you saw this woman working in a modeling studio, only with different hair and no glasses? Are you listening to me at all? Hmm. Oh, yeah. You, You don't believe me. What else is new? There isn't much time left, Nick. Your arraignment is tomorrow. Is that the one where they cancel out your marriage? Because I don't need one of those. It's where you're officially accused of murder, and we begin the long and tedious process of sending you off to the gas chamber. You know, I might prefer a gas chamber to this office. At least those people know how to decorate. Probably smells better, too. You know, I think you picked the wrong career, Danny. You should have been a lawyer. 
Uh, oh, and uh, if you're thinking about getting us dinner, there's a place on Fifth that makes a great Monte Cristo. Goodbye, Mr. Bounty. That settled it. I was screwed. I really thought I'd made some progress. But apparently, hang on. I know that sound. It is! It's that Model R! I didn't have much time. I had to hunt this guy down. He was the only real lead I had. Hey, get out of the road! I almost hit you! You there! I'm a private detective. I need to commandeer your vehicle, no time to argue. Sure, here's my keys. It's all gassed up. I hope you catch whoever it is you're after. Damn it, I don't have time for this! I need... Oh, thank you. Sure thing. Thanks for helping keep the streets safe. Well, I'm not a cop. I, uh, really just... I think you're losing your guy. Oh, thank you. Right. I'd done a lot of classic detective stuff in my day. Fought big thugs in back alleys, stole evidence from crime scenes. Did that thing where you scribble on a notepad to see what was written on the torn-off page? I loved that thing. But I'd never done a car chase before. This was great. Didn't take long to catch up to him. Fortunately, I hadn't driven since grade school. I'm really more of a public transportation guy. Plus, licenses are such a hassle. Excuse me there. Sorry. On the bright side, he wasn't even trying to escape. Poor dope. He was stopping at stop signs, signaling at every turn, keeping within the speed limit. I had him. So, uh, what was I supposed to do with him exactly? Ramming his car off the road seemed a bit excessive, and besides, there was oncoming traffic in the other lane. He could have rammed his bumper from behind, but then he just sped up. Also, that was a one-of-a-kind car there. None of this was the car's fault. Couldn't even see in the window to get a good look at who he was. You read about car chases in the pulps, but they always end with one guy crashing so the other guy can arrest him. I wasn't really sure what to do if he was driving like a sensible person and not a maniac. Guess I'd just have to follow him. Finally, three hours had passed since the chase had begun and I was nearing the end of my tether. And everyone knows the end of the tether is where they keep the ball. Which you're supposed to punch. This was usually where the chasing stopped and the punching started and I was ready for it. The Model R turned into the massive driveway of a palatial estate. Other, even more expensive cars were parked here, and fancy dudes and fancy duds were stepping out. Looked like some kind of cocktail party. I've had showdowns on bridges, CD offices, caves, bathrooms, restaurants, and more than my share of modestly appointed living rooms, but never at a cocktail party for hoity-toities. It was the kind of a place where they take your car and you're supposed to thank them for it. I never know how to deal with situations like that, especially since I don't own a car. But I know one thing, that citizen had been real nice earlier, and I'll be damned if I was going to hand his car off to some weirdo in a red vest. Welcome, sir. May I take your keys? Nah, give me a minute, freak! Looked like there was somebody at the door checking invitations. I needed a plan. Sir? Yeah, just hang on. I couldn't beat this valley up and steal his vest. For one thing, Red looks horrible on me. For another... Sir, please... I must insist. Well, all right, go ahead and insist. I'm almost finished here. Standard protocol, by which I mean a thing I did last time that worked, said that I should find the biggest jerk entering the party and slip my mickey and enter the party pretending to be him. That was going to be tricky from the front of the valet line with everyone looking right at me. Sir, I'm the head of security for the MacGuffin compound. Is, uh, is there a problem here? Uh, I seem to have forgotten my invitation. Oh, is that all? Come with me, sir. I'll let you right into the party. Really? You're going to buy that? This way, please. Well, there you go. New trick to add to the old repertoire. I wonder if that means I'm getting smarter. May I take your coat, sir? My coat? No, this is my detective's coat. How would anyone know I'm a detective without my... Uh, 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 I mean, I forgot my invitation. Yes, definitely getting smarter. 
I was on the wrong side of the door at the sort of swanky party that people like me don't get invited to. Or at best, our invitations get lost in the mail. Huh. I can only assume that half the people here were mailmen. Stole people's invitations. Half the people here would still be a huge number. This place was packed. If my Model R fellow is here, I'd have to wade through an awful lot of bodies to get to him. Not an easy task, when you have no idea what he looks like or who he is. But something told me if I was going to find my needle in this haystack, I was going to need the biggest horse in the farm. I made a beeline from two catering tables to the hostess of the event. My word! Who is this now? Quite the fashion sense you have there, young man. Is your necktie... Is that a trout? It's a sea bass. Uh, and your hors are exquisite. I'm sorry. I didn't catch your name. That's because I didn't throw it. Bounty, ma'am. Nick Bounty. <laughs> oh, my. A kiss on the hand. How delightfully forward of you. It was a French kiss, too. You seem to be devouring those canapes at an alarming rate, Mr. Bounty. Are you sure you're feeling all right? Time to charm the old paddle boat. I was going to need her help to find Mr. Model R. So, charm. Deep breath. If you want to know how I'm feeling, why don't you feel me and find out? My word, aren't you delightful? I've been called a lot of things, lady. I should think so. Maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't. I don't know, lady. I'm just a detective. I mean, I detect a very pretty lady. Which lady would that be? You, you old bat! I'm sorry, I must have been confused by how overwhelmingly pretty you are. Okay, charmed enough, whatever. Will you excuse me for a moment, please, honey bunny? Only if it's for a moment. Hurry back now. I don't know how I knew it, but I had a feeling that Terry slash Lana would be here, and I was ready for her. There were a lot of swanky twists, sorry, dames, in the joint, and she just seemed like the type who would... Lana! You again. Baltimore stinks. Oh, what in the... Everyone! Will all the chickens please clear a path to the, the woman I'm accused of murdering? Shockingly, nothing happened. This was that whole tether situation again, only this time there wasn't anybody to punch. Just a whole lot of chickens. That's when I noticed somebody clearing a path to me, tossing niblets from side to side. What the hell? Why was my public defender here with a sack of corn? Well, Mr. Bounty, it looks like you found the man who framed you. And he is me. What an awkward way to say that. You could have just said, I'm the man who framed you, or just I framed you. Or you could have just pointed with one finger at all these chickens and penguin suits and the other thumb at yourself. And you're my lawyer, no less. Danny, what the hell? Actually, my name is Tad. Now watch as I snap my fingers and... Terry! Uh, Lana, are you alright? I'm fine. Do we have any corn? Danny! Danny? Tad. Terry? Lana. Lana. Nick. Bounty. You, you set, set me up. up. Jinx, owe me a Coke. That's right. I knew my sister wouldn't. Sister? Yes, my sister. I knew she wouldn't play along willingly, so I had her hypnotized to be my corpse. Then I framed you for murder, Mr. Bounty. I wonder you did such a terrible job preparing my defense. Actually, I'm not really even a lawyer. I paid an old frat buddy on the police force to let me escort you back to your office. Ugh, of course you were in a fraternity. Next you'll be telling me I have a fantasy football league. But why would you frame me? Before this morning, I'd never seen you before in my life. You don't even know me. Oh yes, I know you. I know you well. Nicholas Moonbeam Bounty, born October 1st, 1910 to Nick and Nora Bounty of Dayton, Ohio. One of 16 children, attended Yale, joined the army in 1915, 
served as a cop but got thrown off the force for a devil-may-care attitude, went into the P.I. biz in 1931. What? Astounding how much a man can find, only armed with a library card and a lot of time. Absolutely none of that is true. (laughs) I know. It's genius. Wait, what? Not a single thing you just said is accurate. Not my birthday, not my parents, certainly not that middle name. I was never in the army, not a Yaley, never been to Dayton. At no time have I been in the P.I. biz. What are you talking about? It's right on the door of my office. I'm a public M. I I just thought that was a cute little joke. A a private eye, public M, disarming people with charm and humor. Hey, neat. Do I do that? Focus. Yeah, no, it's not a joke. It's the closest thing I can legally call myself. I guess that explains why you didn't give me your license when I asked for it. Pretty much. But that's why I went to all this trouble in the first place. First, I was going to have you sent to jail, and then I was going to steal your identity. Wait, Wait, what? what? Jinx, coke canceled. You can't reverse a jinx. That's not legal. Danny, you're a lawyer. Tell... Oh, you're not a lawyer. Never mind. This has to be the stupidest plan I've ever heard of, even from you. What? It's brilliant. No, numbskull. If he goes to jail, his identity is ruined. His freedom's gone. He can't even vote. I can vote? So, ignoring the myriad holes in your sinister plot here... You went to these ridiculous, convoluted links to be a private eye. Haven't you ever seen them in the pictures? Those guys are great. I wanted to carry a gun and peep into people's bedrooms, and and I didn't want to waste a lot of time taking a bunch of tests and crap. Ah, I know! What a hassle! Nick! Well, it's a hassle. On reflection, I guess I didn't think it out very well, huh? If you were going to go bribing all over the place, you could have just bribed yourself a license. But now I'm supposed to be in jail... And you're supposed to be me, therefore you're supposed to be in jail! Ipso facto! I suppose, in theory, you have a point there. But a thought occurs. If I go ahead and kill my dear sister now and stick her body back in the morgue, I can have you carted back to prison and this whole mess will go away. I was in the morgue. Tad. We're at a cocktail party with a hundred witnesses. And with a single phrase, they're all unassuming chickens. The guy may be lousy at planning, but I think he has us there. I've never met an assuming chicken. It's amazing that you've never become a real detective. I suppose if I can't be a private eye, I can still know the thrill of killing someone in cold blood. Yeah, yeah, we get it. You're going to shoot us both for no very good reason. I do have one little question before you pull the trigger. Little lawyer Danny. What? Do you know what a shattering Ming vase sounds like? No. What does a shattering Ming vase sound like? Oh, now? Yes, of course, now! (laughs) Mrs. McGuffin told the cops everything. Like a very large songbird singing a really loud song. And now her son... Was it clear that Tad and Lana were her kids? I may have left that part out. Tad's about to become a jailbird. So there they are. A family of birds. Lana, presumably, was also a bird of some kind, but not a chicken. Not anymore. That was the important thing. And as for me, well, I guess I finally got all the excitement and action I wanted. Maybe for the first time, everything's wrapped up nice and neat. We even found Lana's non-existent toy poodle. And I even got the girl, if you can believe it. Well, I have to be at work in four hours, so that means I have to start stuffing these things into a torpedo. So long. Yeah. Not that girl. Yoo-hoo! I brought us two plates of cheesecake-dipped passion fruits. That one.
This episode of Sarcastic Voyage Theatre featured Duncan Bosco, Mark Bosco, Christy Brannan, Mark Darren, Jason Ellis, Dave Fields, Kara O'Connor, Joseph Ravenson, Matt Robotham, Amanda Smith, Sabrina Snyder, Jason Wallace, and Ron Algar Watt. It was written by Mark Darren, Jason Ellis, and Ron Algar Watt, and produced by Algar Productions, copyright 2018. Nick Bounty appears courtesy of Pinhead Games and Mark Darren.